Petri Chat is a weekly podcast for health professionals who deliver grassroots diabetes care and education to people with diabetes across the health system. Hi, I'm Jane Lehman, registered nurse and credentialed diabetes educator. And I'm Kiralee Chambers, advanced practicing pharmacist and credentialed diabetes educator. Hi Jane, how are you going? I'm good. How are you, Kiralee? Well, thank you. This week we're going to be talking about the considerations when we work with people with diabetes over long periods of time. Oh, that's a great topic. Isn't it? Wish I had have come up with that. I think you did. (laughs) Yeah, the reason I was sort of triggered to think about this was I had a client who I've seen for a long time who died recently, quite suddenly. Oh, that's sad. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, and I, I think it's part of what we end up facing a lot because we see people over a long period of time. Yes. Because obviously diabetes isn't an acute issue, it's an ongoing issue. And like in general practice, like in pharmacy, like with lots of health professionals, we end up seeing people, you know, a number of times a year, even if it's once a year, but over years and years quite often. Yes, that's very true. And it's always been interesting when, you know, just every now and again there will be people that people that you just click with. Yes. And it's hard to describe, but it's easy. Mm. Conversation is easy. You can often get to a deeper place with your conversations faster. You get to know their family, really, don't you? They, yeah. You know about their family and their dogs and their cats and lots of stuff. <laughs> that's so true. And so you can never tell when that's going to happen either. Yes. And so with people that you do click with, do we need to be extra careful about specific things to do with our professional relationship? I think we need to be more aware that that blend between personal and professional can get a little bit mm, grey. Or blurred. Yeah. Grey or blurred, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I, I think it's a mark of a professional who is able to keep that in mind. Yes. So Jane, when you're in a consultation, how do you how are you aware that the person is getting off course? If you've known them for a really long time and they're talking about something personal and it may be something that would interfere with their diabetes, but they suddenly start to go off course and it's personal and they're talking about something that's occurred and yes, it might impact their diabetes. At what point and how do you use your skills to direct them back? about the converse or direct the conversation back how do you do that do you know Kimberly? i think one of the, the the problems is that you're not always aware that it's happening especially if you've developed a uh, an easy relationship with someone like if it's been really easy to click with someone yes i think that's when we're in most danger of not always covering everything that we need to and my husband and I have chatted about this because in general practice it's the same and I think we all know people and I have to say men especially when they go to their GP or health professional who they see regularly they get into a conversation sometimes about everything but but their health yes because they get on well you know in another life maybe they'd be good friends Fishing, the weather. Yeah, where they've got natural things in common. And before you know it, you've got... And I hear this especially when wives come with their husbands. Yes, yep. And I'll say to the person, oh, you need to talk to your doctor about... And then the wife will say something like, oh, well, make sure you do talk to them about that this time. Because, you know, usually you talk about everything but that. Yes. 
Yeah, actually, I, I hear that a lot from people with diabetes when they come to a consult. Oh, I, I didn't get time because we were too, bu- too busy talking about the uh, newest bottle of wine mm. or where the greatest fishing that we had yeah. last time. And I wonder yeah. if you see it more with women who go to see a female GP in the same way. Mm, I don't hear that from the, my clients or people with diabetes. I don't mm. hear that as much, but yeah. I certainly do hear it from men and I wonder if it's just because the GP is trying to strike up a conversation and keep the person comfortable and then of course it gets sidetracked Mm. with the conversation. And the other thing is that if you get to know someone over a long period of time you have already talked about lots of different things. Yes. And so I think the first step with a lot of this, so I'm not saying this just happens with GPs, it happens with any clinician who sees someone over a long period of time. Yes. And I think the thing is we need to have a conscious way of thinking, okay, when I've seen people over a long period of time, what am I doing in those appointments? Am I just going over the same stuff? And am, am I continuing to see this person because I like catching up with them? Yes. Am I reviewing with the person what would be expected if someone saw them with fresh eyes? Yes. So it's almost like we're going to we have to do a mental checklist. Am I still being effective in this therapeutic relationship despite knowing the person over a long period of time? Because there is that danger then, isn't there, of, of course, missing something if you're not seeing it with new eyes. Yeah. Mm. And there's also a potential if you naturally strike up a rapport with someone very easily, you can, you can also get fooled by it. Yes, that is very true. And yeah. I think that's very easy when we are very much there for the person so being so person-centered if someone has an alternate reason for engaging with you yes well isn't that interesting because when I first started working with a certain endocrinologist he used to always use the term bargain we have to bargain with people with diabetes and I always found that a really interesting term to use Mm. you would have to bargain to get them to take their medication but I kind of do understand why they use that terminology now Mm. because as he has said often in the past you can get people to a place where they're comfortable to take all their medication and change their lifestyle but at the end of the day it doesn't mean that they potentially won't end up with complications Mm. and that is kind of part of our job isn't it even with the people that we see long term Mm. Mm. well we certainly see people through I guess those years of giving information about why people are encouraged to be actively involved with their care to then having the screenings to then health status changing as a result of those screenings yes so the role we play in that changes over time as well yes so there is some form of bargaining in that process i guess and i think it's also why we have to be so honest about the language we use when we're talking about screenings and putting it in a way that when we're then faced with people starting to have the impact of of having had diabetes for a long period of time that 
if we've been saying to someone you won't get complications or you won't get associated health problems if you keep your glucose levels well managed within this target how are we going to then address that when they start to have associated health problems yeah because it's all about trust isn't it at the end of the day yeah so you can't you can't bargain in a way that isn't truthful yes so that whole idea of being able to delay health issues in our way we talk to people, you know, you won't have any credibility later if you haven't done that. If you haven't said that you can prevent or delay the impact of diabetes on the rest of your body, yeah, we get caught. Yeah, we do. And I guess that's the value of keeping in mind that we expect to have a long-term relationship with people. Now, obviously, there will be people listening to this who work in acute care services and they may be providing care that you know it may be a one-off impact or it may be a short-term impact and then they go back to their primary care team yes but i think we should whenever we talk to people we should assume that we're going to have a long-term relationship because i think that keeps us more accountable for what we're saying yes but it's interesting because there are ramifications as well of the acute care setting we talked about that before of what that looks like and one of the things we talked about was the communication between team members wasn't Mm. it Mm. in that we often will send out you and I both talked about that in Mm. previous podcasts as as to how we communicate but some of the communication that then comes back to us doesn't occur Mm. and that has ramifications yes And especially when you're seeing people over a long period of time, because when we get referred someone initially, especially for for us in, um, I guess, self-employed practice and using the chronic disease management program with Medicare, you know, the expectation is that we will get sent the GP management plan, the team care arrangement, and then, and also the referrals. So that all happens in the initial referral. Yes. What I do find is sometimes later you only get the referral, you don't get the updated plan. Yes, that happens a lot. And TCA. Yes. yes. You often don't get what's going on with their blood pressure, what's yeah. going on with their medications, and so you have to extract all that information. Yeah. which cuts down their time that they yeah. have with you. And it means too that you either have to encourage that person to actively engage with their doctor in order to have the information sent to us because quite often if they ask for test results to be sent and um, plans and that, they do get sent. Yes. Or to know what their numbers are. Yes. Or to feed back to the doctor in our letters asking for that information. So it's about being proactive in both gearing the person up because it's good if they know that stuff anyway. But if that's not possible, so that they send the information through. And, you know, you asked me how, how I watch out for those subtle changes in relationship development. And I think active listening would have to be the thing I have schooled myself to do the most with. And I do actively listen to what I'm saying. Yep. And I will contemplate what I'm saying as I'm saying it. Now, I, I learned that skill by having to look out for my language. Yes, yes. Well, we've talked at length about how language is so important. And so the only way you can manage both listening to yourself and checking for the language you use and checking that you're on track with an individual is to be incredibly present during your appointments. Yep. 
with people and to have a mental review, being aware that when you see people over a long period of time. Now, I think I'm really lucky that I've got a husband who's a GP who we've been able to chat about these sorts of issues, but I don't think we talk about them as diabetes educators very much. No, no. Well, often we don't get the chance to talk as a collective group of diabetes educators. We often see each other at meetings, but mm. it's we don't often get the blank canvas if you like to talk about what we do in clinical practice mm. and probably people who are working within teams possibly do within one space but we're involved with teams that are created around an individual yes for you and I yep and so we're often going blind uh, not going blind but we're working blind working blind yes in that we don't have access to all of the information that we might have if we had a common set of notes or or that and so I guess it's also making sure that we don't miss out on information but there's also things like if we know someone over a longer period of time we may well notice things that may be missed by other people yeah and when we're feeding information back we don't know if it's being followed up or not yes and it's the old cliche often isn't it that people often will tell us stuff that they haven't told any other member of their healthcare team yeah and when that happens I do ask for permission from people to share that when I'm writing my letters back yeah. so it may come out uh, in conversations and I have to say I, I, I have very interesting conversations with people when I see them in my home office yep and what I've noticed is because it's a non-clinical environment especially with men yeah they will open up much sooner yes and I quite often hear about people's drinking habits and you know not unusual to hear about people drinking a bottle a day mm -hmm. of alcohol and I do check with them if they want me to share that with the doctor mm -hmm. because I don't want to lose the confidentiality of having been told that in an environment where they're comfortable and usually they will say yes yeah okay yeah. interesting yeah. and I've been able to get a lot deeper into making them feel comfortable to admit that problem with alcohol because we have this big issue now with people in their you know 50s and older are the biggest drinkers yeah and so you can touch on some of those sorts of issues when you've got to know people over a longer period of time but also if you're comfortable in your own skin because you have worked with people with diabetes over a longer period of time generally your confidence in going where it's hard to go yes I think means that you can do that. I can even do that sometimes. I had it recently with a client in the first appointment I had with them. Mm. And it was entirely natural. They came with their wife as well. There had been an incident the night before that just happened to come out during the conversation. But it was in my home office. Yep. And they clearly felt comfortable to explore that further. So if you've got really good counselling skills and the expertise to pick up these little points that come up sometimes very subtly during an appointment and explore it, then that's another part of having seen people over a long period of time. We develop an intuition sometimes. Yes. So did you feel, did you go to the funeral on for this client? Of the client that triggered this conversation? Yes. So uh, that was one of the things that got us to think 
think about doing this topic was that I had a, a, a client who passed away a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and I went through the whole thing of do I go to the funeral or don't I go to the funeral? Yeah. And I've had that a number of times over the years. And when we have a client die, this, this person I'd only seen uh, probably about two or three weeks ago no, maybe four weeks ago, with his wife. And I see him usually four or five times a year, have, yep. have done so for, for years. Yeah. And he was one person who did not want to go and see an endocrinologist. Yeah. And he really wanted to stay working with me. And the GP was happy with the facilitated prescribing. Mm-hmm of us talking things through and then I would contact her if things needed to be changed but I obviously didn't do the prescribing yes and this man I had noticed deteriorating quite significantly I felt over the last year or so and I couldn't quite put my finger on it and you're left with that whole sense of writing things in letters but you're never really 100% sure what happens with that at the other end Mm. So you don't realise sometimes until an event happens where someone has died that you were picking up on the slow decreasing health, but you didn't quite realise it. And that's, that's again what we've talked about, isn't it? That two-way communication where we don't often get any formal letters back from any, whether it's an endocrinologist or a GP, apart from those initial referrals. Mm does make it very difficult. So you can't even, like when you work in a team like I did when I was at Flinders, you could say in a team meeting, look, I just think there's something not right and I can't put my finger on it, but do you want to have a look further when you see them? Yeah. That's going to have a really different approach to me saying in a letter that I feel like his memory was decreasing or whatever it is. Yes. Um, and the other thing is that this, man died very quickly he was he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer we see because of this link with diabetes and pancreatic cancer in our work lifetime we do see a lot of people who die from pancreatic cancer yeah i don't know what i should be looking for in future clients who might have pancreatic cancer that hasn't been diagnosed yet because something i did notice with this man was that he would have hypos uh, within sort of half an hour of starting to eat dinner mm, and been very difficult for he him. and I had discussed that and I'd sent letters back to the doctor about that and I think in you know some of the letters I would have said you know we, I can't explain it that there's something producing more insulin for some reason yeah that he's having the hypos because at first you know you start to think is it carbohydrate intake is it exercise is it this or but there was this consistent pattern that didn't make sense Mm. and so you only think on reflection and look in I'm not exploring this because I think I missed something or I think I could have done anything differently I I guess I want to learn from it and if I saw that again because this is what happens over a long period of seeing a lot of people with diabetes we do pick up these little nuances 
that we put away in our memory bank to bring out when we need it at another time. Yes, well, you will certainly now perhaps explore that further with another client, should, and certainly I will, should, mm. that, should you notice that pattern on someone else. Mm. But it would have been interesting to know whether he'd had further exploratory investigations done at any point through communication. Yeah, and um, I, I suspect not, and... I think also by the time he was diagnosed, yeah, obviously things happened very quickly. But, you know, the other thing that, that hit me was that we don't only have an impact with a person, we often have an impact with their spouse. Yes. And because I have also seen uh, people over a long, long period of time, because I was seeing a lot of people in general practice that uh, were also seeing my husband, we both have shared people over that time where I had seen some people over 25 years. Wow, it's a long relationship, isn't it? And so when, say, the husband dies who's got diabetes, yeah, the spouse often feels sad that they're not going to see you either. Yeah, well, that's a long relationship, isn't it, to suddenly then no longer have that communication mm. or that contact. And how often yeah. do we also never hear about someone dying? Yeah, well, I don't... There are there are probably three people that come to mind that I found out after the person had died that I would have really liked to have gone to the funeral. But mm. there was no... And there still hasn't been any communication. I only found out through other people. Oh, I, I hate to say it, but as you get older, you start reading the... Obituaries? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and how yes. often... Oh, my goodness, I'm turning into my mother. I know. We've gone there. Zip, it's happened. But oh, the yes. other thing that weirdly often will happen... I will read the obituaries and sure enough, just every yeah. now and again, there will be someone yep. who I either know it's through, you know, I know their daughter or I know a, a family member or it's a, a, a person I've seen or something like that. Yeah. So I guess there is a value to, as you get older, yes. uh, as a clinician, to, to reading those notices as well. But sometimes, I guess, if certainly if someone doesn't turn up, you would follow it up. Yes. But it's more that you don't see them coming back the following year. Yeah. Yep. Or the appointment isn't made. Uh, and that can be a tricky one because you just never know what happened. Yes. So don't always assume if someone doesn't get back in contact that they didn't like you. Yeah, or they went somewhere else. They might have gone somewhere else. Yes. That's okay, but I'd rather that. the ultimate somewhere else. And yes. so, yes. Uh, you know, don't, don't always think that. But it does bring up another issue with all of this is around how do you get any closure especially when people work on their own. And as diabetes educators, we do have a very solitary type of profession in our relationships with people. Yes, and that I wonder whether that leads to something that we've always been aware of is burnout. Mm. Because diabetes educators have a higher rate of burnout, I believe, than the average allied mm. health profession. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I think there used to be certainly a big focus around the commitment of diabetes educators and you know, that there was almost a zealot-like approach that we have to be there for the person with diabetes. Yes. And I think that has changed as you've seen the professionalisation of the diabetes education workforce. Yes. There's certainly still a higher rate of burnout 
I believe. And I, I think that comes from a lack of debriefing, formal debriefing in a, yes. in a lot of circumstances. Yes. Of giving a great deal in your appointments. Yes. To connect with people and and also just the work, the, the sheer numbers yes. that, that people see in their day as well. Yes, which is different. Primary, again, is different to, again, private. Yeah, to acute care. So acute care, you're going to see different issues compared to primary health care. When you're self-employed to being employed as well, there's a whole range of different things. But recognising burnout when you start to really feel like you you felt you should have done more. Yes. you know, go and talk to someone, talk to a, co- a trusted colleague or go and see a psychologist if you need to, to debrief yourself. Yes. We would recommend it to yep. someone. Absolutely. If if we had a client who was perhaps getting teary or a bit overwhelmed by uh, some things with people, it's natural. We work with people. We are a service industry. Yes. And so it's not like we sell a product where you get your money back if it doesn't work well. We've got higher That'd stakes. Be nice. I'd like my money back on my pancreas, please. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you should get your money back on your pancreas because fair dinkum, it's a naughty it, pancreas. It's not working all that well and it hasn't for some time now. No, exactly. And so we use humour in order to cope we use a lot with of some very difficult circumstances. So be mindful too that it can really help to have a good laugh. Yeah, and a good cry. And... I must say, I'm very glad I did go to the funeral yesterday uh, of my client. And in the eulogy, I was very surprised to hear his wife talk about our relationship. Oh, nice. And that, you know, I used to give him uh, little items, whether it be a pen or, you know, the old Lantus pack. This is how it all starts. People get their freebies from their educator and then they expect others. And so it used to be quite amusing because I'd have to keep trying to find things for this gentleman. The last thing I gave him was one of NADC feet. Oh, yeah. You know, the stress ball type things. Yeah, to make people more aware that they have to look after their feet. And to just show how those sorts of things can have a completely different impact after he died... Uh, his wife put that in her study in where she could oh, see beautiful. it because it reminded her of that last appointment we had where there was the camaraderie and the joking around and relationship that we had formed over a very long period of time that made us very comfortable talking about his diabetes which could be very troublesome to him at times and I like to think that he felt like I had his back and his wife felt like I had her husband's back when it came to his diabetes. And when I saw her yesterday, she just looked at me, said my name and gave me, we gave each other the biggest hug. And that's what you want from the healthcare profession, isn't it? When you mm. can't solve things, you want to know that they understand that it doesn't matter that they can't solve it. No. And so, you know, maybe people feel like that's crossing the line. I don't believe so. But for me, it's being authentic and I feel like I was all the better for having got to know this man. Mm. And going to his funeral gave me a whole different view of him as an individual. Yeah. 
and I was part of his journey. Yeah. And that's what was acknowledged. And it was good that I heard that because I, I clearly wouldn't have heard that. And she loves having that foot. Yeah. Where she can see it because it's a happy memory for her. Yeah. And she probably won't have a lot of happy memories with respect to his diabetes. Not from the way uh, he got sick so quickly. Yes. And um, pancreatic cancer, as, as we know, does work very, can work very quickly. It can be quite aggressive. So it is good to remember that we have a big impact on people just like they have a big impact on us. Yes. And we learn from those things and they are really, in the end, they're often what fuel us as health professionals. It's the relationships we have with people, no matter if it's a short period of time or if it's over a long period of time. Yeah. And we need to look after ourselves within those relationships make sure that we're staying professional that we are continuing to look after the the specific needs of people over a long period of time but also to relish the relationships we build as human beings mm. yep on that note i reckon we should wrap up yeah do you think so I, yeah i i i think it was a good thing to chat about yeah i agree and hopefully others will consider chatting about that in their own workplaces. Yeah, because I think that's a good thing to bring to people's attention. Yeah. Yeah. So don't forget that P2 uh, chat episodes can be found on Wooshka, iTunes, <laughs> and on now the new Spotify. Can you believe that's it? That's so exciting. <laughs> um, so please feel free to listen on your work computer uh, when you're doing any exercising, or as we like to call it, physical activity, because exercising sounds so blur, uh, over the weekend or at your office while you're doing your paperwork, please feel free to subscribe, rate and review us and the show uh, while you're there. So I don't know what we're doing next week. Do you know? No, uh, look, honestly, this week is uh, just been overwhelming and so no... <laughs> As as they they said in uh, Gone with the Wind, I'll, I'll think about that tomorrow. Right, I think we would uh, do well though, maybe to get a guest speaker in in the next up and coming weeks. Yeah, we've got some ideas for that, haven't we? Yeah, in talking about gastroparesis with yes. someone who experiences it. Yeah, and we're also going to be getting in Eliza. A, yeah, Eliza yeah. Bartlett, who is a young woman who lives with type one diabetes, who has done some amazing feats, not just in managing her diabetes, but inspiring others and also fundraising for the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. So we will be getting some insights and interesting stories from Eliza in the near future as well. Excellent. But for now, it's goodbye from me, Jane Lehman. And goodbye from me, Kiralee Chambers. Chat, Chat soon. soon.